I've told you that I got the Force Awakens spoiled to me by Twitch chat, right? No. I was just like watching a stream and it was before the release even happened, but I was just watching a stream and then in Twitch chat, somebody just started, just was copy pasting Han Solo is killed by his son, Kylo Ren. <laughs> oh, that is... And then when you find out that Kylo Ren is his son five minutes into the movie, and then I'm like, well, I guess the other part of that spoiler is probably true too. Oh, whoops. <laughs> I it uh, it was really brutal. I was not happy about that. Brutal or more brutal than the final installment in that trilogy? It, nothing could be more brutal than <laughs> the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I've been watching Andor though. That is a That's very good Star Wars show. On my list too. I've heard literally nothing but excellent things about it. It's and so it's good. On my list of shows to start up next. Like, literally, probably this week. Yeah. Like, of the Star Wars shows, you know, especially, like, the live-action stuff that comes out of Disney. You know, like, The Mandalorian is fun. Most of the stuff is bad. But Andor is, like, a legitimately, actually good show with good acting and interesting concepts and stuff. It's it's very strong. I liked The Mandalorian before it became yeah, just... I like uh commercials for other shows they were producing yes no and that right there doesn't seem to be any of that in endor so i appreciate that yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it i actually heard saw an andor praise have happen across my twitter feed this morning which is about the only <laughs> time i can check twitter now because the app crashes constantly yeah i haven't been having that many problems but i have heard a lot of people having problems with it so i can't even click a quote tweet it just crashes immediately like i'll someone will quote some tweet something with wow i never knew this and i'll be like i want to know this and then i'll click it and the app crashes you'll never know it and i just don't know it anymore but the the quote about andor this morning was like it's so cool how in one of the episodes maybe it was the final one i remember uh they delivered one of the best monologues of a star wars show ever and then did it again in the same episode yes i saw that one too yeah (laughs) So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. it. It is worth looking forward to. You will enjoy it. Should we talk about some cards? Some Magic the Gathering cards? Yeah. These cards yeah, those ones. look sweet. They do look sweet. At least the base versions. The uh, I kept scrolling through Scryfall and it got very daunting. <laughs> yeah. the All the versions, whatever they are, the whatever special illustrations, I don't know what they're called, but the super black and white ones that also like the art is in the text box so like you can't read the text and you can't identify it from the picture is really a not my favorite alternate form i think the art on the cards are all really good but yeah there does not need to be this much of it (laughs) it's just so overwhelming Hey everyone, welcome to episode 277 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castro-Rappel, with me is Lee McLeod. Hi Lee. Well hey Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great. We're, we've got new cards. I didn't like look at a lot of the finger picture cards when they were coming out, so I, it's like scrolling through the previews is actually new to me. Yes, I. This was the first day I like really sat down and looked at the cards. 
I had listened to some podcasts where they just went over some cards, and I had seen them like on Twitter or whatever, but I never yeah. like, sat down and processed them until today. Listening to the podcasts and just like hearing cards read out that you haven't read and like don't have any familiarity with yet, like the text of the cards just kind of like goes in one ear and out the other, and then they're just like talking about a card that I have no idea what it does. Sometimes I miss what the card they're talking about is, and they'll only refer to it as it or they or he or she, and I'm like, I... I'd love to know what this card is. <laughs> so, you know, I to get the most out of this episode, I guess I would suggest a passing familiarity with the previewed cards. It's just really hard to keep up with the audio form and, like, keep a card in your head that you've never actually seen. Also, the art's pretty good in the set. It's a really different stark contrast to the the past few sets. Yeah. it It's kind of like a return to a classic sort of not necessarily high fantasy because the Frexians are like their own thing, but I don't know. There, There's a lot of hero shots of legendary creatures and then just like very weird, intimidating Frexian angel things and stuff. It's a lot of very cool, like set piece arts. And it's also the bad guy portion of the year. So lots right. of dark stuff, lots of horrifying things. And then there's uh Tyvar's art, which is really funny uh is it the one where he's just punching down yeah he's <laughs> got a knockout punch it's the one from concept tark here he's punching out the bear i cannot remember the name of the card now yeah savage punch but this is the a slightly different perspective of the same kind of hit yeah in this in know. this card you're the bear <laughs> well you do see the phyrexian like getting knocked out right right there but the expression on his face is is really wonderful too and it's a it's a really funny concept for a card like the main thing about this card's art is punching and then the all of the abilities of the card are like making your mana guys better yeah it's kind of weird I, they didn't really do a good job of establishing Typhar as a character in um call time like he just mm -hmm. kind of exists and yeah he was just the elf planeswalker yeah, as far as people are all aware it's just like oh it's the guy that does elf things <laughs> yeah it's still doing elf things i guess we're talking about this card now just because he has the funniest art yeah okay all right so this is tyvar jubilant brawler one a black and a green for a three loyalty planeswalker you may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste plus one untap up to one target creature minus two mill three cards and you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield it clearly works very well with mana elves and kind of like not much else, but it also like works extremely well with Devoted Druid, which isn't likely to be a playable card when Solitude and Fury still exist. But if there's any way of doing it, you know, at least you don't need to play Postmortem Lunge anymore. Are we going to do the Devoted Druid as a deck watch on all the Devoted Druid people? <laughs> they I mean, just pray. If you are really into Devoted Druid and a card like this gets spoiled, then you have to, like, go get your Devoted Druid Solituded again. Like, there's just no way around it. What I like about this card is, I mean, we say it's really good with mana creatures. I felt to reference one. But it's it's Gwena, the one from Brothers War that adds two mana, but you can only spend it for creatures. Mm. And she also untaps whenever you cast a big creature, like a power five or greater creature. I know she yeah. untaps. So that seems like, you know, you could really power Make a lot of creatures. mana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It also just like kind of works very well with a deck with a bunch of elves in it. Like it gives them haste and like 
turns you into a a pseudo heritage druid kind of thing put your hand onto the table potentially i don't know this card's pretty neat yeah it's neat it's really more like an engine or a card that helps an engine come together instead of like its own thing like it's an enabler it does it does like almost everything you want out of that mana elf engine thing like it you can use your guys's haste they get untapped for free and it's redundant pieces like you can play tiber and get one back right it just doesn't give you a payoff for that mana in any real way yeah you can't like draw cards like even if you put all your elves from your hand into the battlefield you're not doing anything with them with tiber like all right you want another one from the graveyard (laughs) right if you can make 10 mana and then you top deck tiver that's unlikely to like be a solution to like where do i put this mana into yeah that's kind of why i'm always like i think it's a cool card i think you could play it in devoted to chills but it doesn't do anything that helps devoted to its issues right like postmortem lunge already does this well i mean it lets you play a card that like has other texts that's you know postmortem lunge yeah 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 this is a better this is a way better postmortem lunge but it's not like that's what the deck was lacking you know (laughs) like yeah i I mean just a better postmortem lunge like it gives you a devoted druid in your hand haste too. Like it just like makes it a multiple turn. Like I, I'm gonna do this threat as much as I can. But yeah, I mean, I I do think that the devoted druid combo just has like a bunch of fundamental horrifying weaknesses. Like the entire metagame is built around not getting hit by a turn one Ragavan, and everything <laughs> that kills turn one Ragavan like very efficiently kills devoted druid. And so you... it's a bad time to be playing any hierarchs when your opponent's playing <laughs> Ragavan. <laughs> Yes, Ren and Six generally very good against any deck with Devoted Druid in it, and uh, you can only sandbag so much before you're just like a very inefficient combo deck. Uh, now that, since we segued into immediately talking about a card, mm-hmm. did we want to provide any structure to this episode or anything? You should just talk about more no. cards. I think we're just talking about cards. Preview season has started. Preview season will be over tomorrow or something like that yeah you know i guess we could have started doing preview episodes earlier especially with the leaks but the leaks were you know, a we had other stuff reputation to do. at first and then they all had fingers in them yeah and then we had jesse on which was and then we had jesse on which was episode. very important yeah. yeah so uh there wasn't really a better way of doing this so i think we're gonna do previews this week just whatever cards we have spotted that we want to talk about we'll do previews next week even though we could do a set review because we're just gonna milk this one for all it's worth and, and then also, we'll probably, also like, give the give the cards a week to breathe like it, doing the set reviews yeah. right after the whole set drops is often you know you learn a lot during that first week yeah we, we get to look a little less stupid if i get to just like jam some arena standard before we talk about the cards or i hear people talk about a card on twitter or twitch chat or whatever be like wow this card is way better than i thought it was yep yep <laughs> so cards so, catch our eyes sounds great right no no real structure we can just go back and forth like I, tyvar was mine mostly because i i think that art is fantastically goofy you can you can choose the next card I want to pick one that you put on this list because I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. It's Capricious Hellraiser. This is a 6-mana 4-4 dragon. It's 3 red, red, red. It costs 3 less to cast if you have 9 or more cards in your graveyard. And it has flying, obviously. It's a dragon. Uh, When it enters the battlefield, you exile 3 cards at random from your graveyard. You choose a non-creature, non-land card from among them and copy it. You can cast the copy without paying its mana cost. 
I just think this card is cool. I think it's really difficult to make it good because the things are in such fundamental tension, like having nine cards in your graveyard to get the discount and then hopefully one of my good important cards is in the three that I exile to it. The place where I see this possibly being a concept would be in a standard big red deck where you start out with like four Fable of the Mirror Breaker and four Elder Dragon War, because this doesn't just cast instants and sorceries, it can cast your sagas from your graveyard too. Anything's on and creature or land. Yeah. Yeah. And so like a red, 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 four, four flyer that like puts a saga back into play from your graveyard a lot of the time is really cool. But nine cards is so many, even if you're just like looting as hard as you can with your stuff that I don't know if that ever happens. So it's unlikely that this card gets anywhere, but I do think it's just like a really cool design and like very satisfying when it works and the misses are like really brutal. I I think it's cool, but not that good. Yeah, that's kind of where I I think it's more frustrating than cool, to be honest. Like it reads cooler than I think it plays. Like one of the cards I really like that's in this vein is I think it's called uh, not Charm Breaker Devils, Wildfire Devils. That's the commander one. Where you get mm-hmm. to copy a random instant sorcery from your graveyard uh, uh, when it enters the battlefield and on each upkeep. So you're always mm-hmm. getting value from it. And this card kind of reminds me, but it's so much more prohibitive. Like it's six mana. You've got to have a bunch of cards in your graveyard. It's, it's like. Right. A lot of the value is tied up in like. You can how often are you going to. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, if you, I think a lot of times if you're casting it for six, you won't be whiffing on it because you only have a couple of cards in your graveyard and yes. they're, you know, pr- you know, you're very likely to get the important card in your three. I also so, think it's cool that you can use, like, you can get back Planeswalkers with this. For instance, mm-hmm. if you play a Luka, the new Luka makes two mana, you can play Luka into Capricious Hellraiser. And if your Luka dies, you know, some other card has died previously you can if you you can still get cards back in your graveyard like planeswalkers you're doing a mid-range thing sure i know luca is a plus to add mana so it doesn't really work in this particular scenario but the first luca is almost always making beasts anyway yeah i mean if you so i mean this is not like a reasonable thing to do but if you cast that reanimation spell that gives you like four plus one plus one counters, invoke justice, you invoke justice this, and then it hits the battlefield, and you like <laughs> cast the invoke justice again, get a, either a creature or whatever into play. Like, well, I don't know. Th- that one's a little harder because it doesn't choose the cards and randomly get them, it exiles them. Oh, so yeah. You can so exile it probably the gets creature. your other stuff. Yeah. All right. You, so that really just doesn't work at all. Yeah. It's, I mean, if it works. I think your opponent would be extremely upset and they would have every right to. <laughs> yeah, neat card, but I'm not holding my breath on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of I want to segue to Luca now, now that I've referenced it. Yeah, that's fine. Let's do okay. it. I'll read Luca. So this is Luca Bound to Ruin. It's got the completed mechanic, which is a mechanic on the Planeswalkers. We saw it in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So it's, you know, if you pay life for its mana, you enter with two less loyalty for each time you do that. So Luka is two red-green and then a Phyrexian red-green. So it's either five for five loyalty or four for three loyalty. Plus one is add red and a green. You can spend this mana only to cast creature spells or activate abilities for creatures. It's a minus one, makes a three-three green Phyrexian beast creature token with toxic one. Uh, and it's minus four is Luka deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and Planeswalkers where X is the greatest power among creatures you controlled as you activate this ability. 
and toxic from the beasts is when this creature hits a player they get one poison counter if it's toxic one if it's toxic two they get two and so on yeah it's funny the four mana version is like very garricky very garrick extremely garrick wild speakery like it plus ones to make two mana it minus ones to make a three three uh it doesn't have the garrick wild speaker thing where you like play it on four plus one and then you're threatening to just kill your opponent the next turn with the ultimate (laughs) with an overrun yeah but it like if you have a large creature in play that you spent the mana on after plus oneing, you can get in a ton of damage with Lucas minus four, just like wiping mm-hmm. their board and crash it in. But I do think most of the time Luca hits the battlefield, it will be for four mana and just start making three threes because that's what Garrick Garrick was very good at doing that. Yeah, it does depend a lot on if there's a gruel deck in standard yeah. that wants to be doing this and i mean we do have fast lands now i guess we could have led with fast lands are are here so that's kind of nice fast lands are um, great okay moving on <laughs> <laughs> that, i mean that's all we need to do but it is really nice to have allied fast lands in pioneer that's just it's extremely nice been asking for it for <sighs> what four years since pioneer was a announced. while yeah, and upsetting length of time, but they're here, and that's great. And we've been asking for them in standard too, because we keep getting like comes into play tap lands and, and stuff like that, and it just I'm becomes so very tired difficult. Of if I get another trihome, I'm gonna scream. <laughs> <laughs> you can't attacking isn't allowed unless you're playing one color. But now, hopefully, we can attack a little bit more with multiple colors. Luca, a little more mid rangey. Like I think it's fine. I I don't know. I'm not like really into it. I guess. I think it's just a solid mid-range style card. Like it's yeah. something to be aware of. It's not going to like make any waves, but it is a good mm-hmm. card. It does good things. It's not the plus one's a lot more limiting than uh, something like Garrick's where it just makes mana unconditionally. You can do whatever you want with it. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're never starting out your deck and being like, I'd like to be red green so that I can play Luca. Yeah. But if you have the cards that are red and green and go together well, and then you're like, I need a four and this one is fine. That's that's like how you'd have to get to. I need something for the play. grindy matchups. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not really for the aggro ones, because it does cost you two life. It does cost two life, yeah, which is important. Like that's. That'll come up when we get to some of the other Phyrexian mana cards, because I think a lot of people have equated I think they're really underrating how much paying two or four life costs you for some of these Planeswalkers. Yeah, or just some of the Phyrexian cards in general. Like, two Mm -hmm. life is a lot. And I'm not saying Phyrexian mana isn't broken, because obviously, history. But (laughs) uh, there's a difference between Jataxi and Proven Spellskite. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. When it's on like appropriately costed cards and then that like that aren't just kind of like making the game end very quickly, then that two life becomes a big deal. Which brings us to, I don't know, it's your turn. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that brings us to Skrelv Defector Might then. Okay, okay. Since this has Phyrexian mana on it. This is a white mana for a 1-1 legendary artifact creature, Phyrexian Might. By the way, almost every creature in this set is legendary, I think. I, th- I think I've mentioned this before, but there's so many legends in this set. It's also bizarre which cards get to be legends, because it makes sense for some of them, like Glissa and Slowbed. Like, those are old Mirrodin legends, or Malira. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have, like, oh, here's a bug. I guess this is a bug. This is a bug mother of runes, and they're making it legendary (laughs) or bug giver of runes. So it's one white mana artifact creature, Phyrexian Might, legendary. It has toxic one. It can't block, and that has a Phyrexian white mana 
Tap, choose a color. Another target creature you control gains Toxic 1 and Hexproof from that color until end of turn. It can't be blocked by creatures of that color this turn. I think number one in Hammer, this is a mostly giver of runes that is bad against burn, but it has the artifact type, which just helps for hitting Metalcraft, and that might be enough that this is playable. But also, we don't have any giver of runes analogs in Pioneer, and that this could easily be something that you want to do in some sort of white creature deck in Pioneer that's... I don't know exactly what we want to do with it, although I know that some people have been brewing Pioneer Hammer decks, especially with some of the new cards <laughs> from this set. So that's Which I hope take off. They look fun. But... In general, I don't like comparing this card to Giver of Runes because of the Phyrexian mana cost. To me, it's a lot more like Spellskite. Like, Giver of Runes mm -hmm. always has the thing where it protects your creatures like Spellskite, but it's free. It's completely free. You just need to untap with it. Yeah. Which matters a ton. And this card does have that to some extent. Like, you get the, like, if you can pay life, you're good. But if you're under pressure, you're probably not going to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is certainly a much worse card than Giver of Runes in general, unless you like really specifically care about that artifact type, which is a, a pretty limited subset of decks and, and probably not any decks in Pioneer. It also like doesn't work defensively at all. Like Giver block. of Runes is a 1-2 that can block and also can save your blocking creatures. This thing cannot save your blocking creatures. And it also costs either a mana or two life on each activation. So it is much more taxing to use it a bunch of times. Yeah, and I, I could see having, having some sort of home in Pioneer, especially as more artifact matters stuff comes mm -hmm. up. Like this is one card that works quite well with Mox Amber as a legendary one drop. That's also an artifact. <laughs> It does. That's uh, that's a really, really good point. It also works really well in like all that glitters type decks. Mm -hmm. It just uh, putting all the glitters on something and then protect it with Skrelv and they're probably going to die really fast. Yeah, you don't care about the two life in your whatever deck. It's gone. And it, it's yeah. better than protection in those decks too because the your cards don't fall off. Right. You can protect them from white removal spells. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I think this card is just going to see a lot of play across multiple formats. It's cheap and does a powerful thing and has interesting types. I'm skeptical about modern, but it can, I mean, it's an artifact, so it can prove you wrong. It's just like Ren 6 and other cards that do a similar thing. Kind of. I just, yeah, I don't, there. I think that it, in modern, it will only see play in hammer sometimes and not even all the time, but the artifact type, like making it a little bit easier to hit Metalcraft is legitimately like good i do enjoy the gameplay where you scrub up something with a hammer on it then your opponent takes lethal damage and one and one counter. poison <laughs> speaking of poison yes uh, venerated rock priest is the next card okay now this is a card that might actually poison somebody to death. yeah this is a green mana one two it's a phyrexian druid with toxic one uh whatever creature you control becomes a target of a spell target opponent gets a poison counter this is kind of what i want this is so far that I've seen the best toxic card in the set, like the the best poison-y card in the set. It feels like one of kind of the only toxic card that has a chance of poisoning your opponent in Constructed. Yeah, I mean, there's like the the dinosaur that hits your opponent for a bunch. <laughs> it's the poison all at once, but they're also dying to damage at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you only poison them with that dude if they like block it three, if they chump block it three times and take a little bit of damage on each of the attacks, like... Yeah, they're just dead. But yeah, this one actually has a shot. It's kind of weird 
The design works a lot better if you have other incidental poison cards, of which there are a few that I like. Mm -hmm. um, mostly the there's a fight spell, not even a fight spell. It's a bite spell, kind of like rabid bite, where you just pick a creature and it deals damage to another creature. But mm -hmm. the defending creature gets a poison counter, or your, the player gets a poison counter. So there's like a few incidental ways you can just like hit your opponent with a poison counter here and there in green. Yeah. And the more of those effects you have, the better your like this protection ability is because the last poison counter is the only one that matters. So the closer they are to that, the better. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting. doing it kind of that way, then you do want to find some more toxic creatures to put in your deck and make it like how your deck does the thing, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this card. Like this doesn't have death touch. It's only a one two. The because of the targeting ability, like if your creature is getting targeting ten times or eight times, and you're not getting anything but a poison counter out of it, you're probably not winning anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then there's there's also the ground rift or uh oh <laughs> what's it called the the one in a white one with pseudo storm from Strixhaven the that we did glory bringer targeting with for a little bit yeah i don't remember the name but i know the card but anyways if you target this thing with a storm thing and then target it with the rest of the storm things then you can give your opponent a lot of poison counters at once i don't think that's a real deck but it is really cute that you can do it and people are absolutely going to build around it and try it so that's worth noting yeah i'm down for anyone trying out some stuff but it does feel like this is a two card combo that requires a large storm count and easily broken up by removal and interaction. Right, because you can respond to the storm trigger and then you don't get to target it with the ground rift copies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ground rift is also a sorcery, correct? So Yes. And also, you're a storm deck that also requires a combo of like an unplayable storm card and venerated rot priest to <laughs> kill them. And that's like really tough like technically you could do it with grape shot you could just target your venerated drop priest with grape shot the, the grape shots don't need to resolve you, that's true that's true you can do that but it's not like grape shot is leaps and bounds better than ground rift i mean it is but it's not good enough still and and what i'm also saying is that like the best combo deck in the format is breach which is just a deck of like all good cards except for like I guess hammer kind of counts, but I, I don't know if I count it as a combo deck, really. Someone hasn't been infected enough by an Inkwalk Nexus. It's just an aggro deck that comes at the format sideways enough to be playable in modern. Like, that's sure. you have to do a weird thing to be a playable aggro deck in modern. But, like, Breach is a combo deck that plays very few bad cards, and people are still trying to figure out ways to cut the couple of bad cards from the deck because it's frustrating to draw even like a single grinding station when you're not comboing and killing your opponent. And when your deck is like a bunch of ground rifts and venerated rot priests, then that frustration <laughs> level rises much higher. And I don't know that that's a thing that you really want to pursue. You have to have a very high threshold for pain, I think, if you are willing to like build a deck those cards in it and then you draw your first hand and it has like two copies of either one you're like, yeah i'm cool with this this is what i, I want these are the hand types of hands that i have to keep rock priest go i mean like the one the one thing that makes me start thinking about this is the fact that summoners packed finds rock priest and adds a free storm to your count and it's like okay well maybe there's a set of cards that can get this going but not that likely that, that is neat i hadn't considered that but 
yeah, there's not enough. I don't think there's enough free spells in the world for <laughs> to be quite good enough. Even though Metamorphose is still extremely strong. Yeah, somehow has made it through all all of the bands over time. Like uh, the cards. secret was everyone figured out Mishra's Bobble was very similar and could go in every deck. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then we stuck we played a lot fewer Manamorphoses. But like Manamorphose like kind of made it it's like a soldier who made it through the war and just like everyone in his platoon just like he watched die next guy, to him. Boom. <laughs> a seething song pow <laughs> he's a veteran yeah and he made it home and i don't think manamorphos is ever going to get banned in modern now no nah, it's unlikely it's barely playable yeah so faithful saluting took that bullet too <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> What's next? What do you want to go to next? We haven't segued this one, so you're free to pick from whatever. Oh, great. Uh, let's talk about Mercurial Spell Dancer. Okay, sure. This is one and a blue for a 2-1 Phyrexian Rogue. It can't be blocked. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on Mercurial Spell Dancer. Whenever Mercurial Spell Dancer deals combat damage to a player, you may remove two oil counters from it. If you do, when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. I've seen a lot of people like really high on this. I like saying like, oh, this is, you know, this is the next threat that's going to break Delver and Legacy again and stuff like that. I'm like not quite so high on it because you like because of a couple of things. I mean, you have to hit them with it. It is unblockable. You got to get an attack in. Uh, so kind of Dreadhorde Arcanisty in that way, but this isn't a good top deck the way that Dreadhorde Arcanist was. Like your last brainstorm, and then you see this. You can't just like put that into your hand and then cast it, and then your opponent is dead if they don't kill it on the turn. Like you do need to find more spells after it. So it works as long as you cast it while you still have spells in hand. But the payoff for like succeeding in this quest is pretty high. I think if you get it going at all then it pretty much just like continues going if you get to copy a single spell with it then you're just going to keep getting counters and keep getting them with it because the the spell that you're copying is going to put a counter on it and then you're gonna like draw more cards and do more stuff so it's like pretty powerful when you get it going and i wonder if like pioneer phoenix could potentially play this in place of galvanic iteration or something like that like i don't know it, it just like lets you play some more two drop threats in in place of like cards that are not great until later in the game and so i like i can see this doing stuff in in places it is very vulnerable and very fragile though like i don't really want to cast this in a format where renin six is legal or anything like that yeah, or spike field hazard is a big part of it right right that sort of thing i think the copy does not count for an oil counter the, the copy you're... doesn't but the spell you're copying is going to okay, put okay. an oil counter on it so okay. like you're halfway there is what i'm saying gotcha yeah yeah when you fly, finally get it off uh, yeah. i just read this card as so many conditions to get mm -hmm. a thing that is itself time bottlenecked right like you you have to have a spell you're ready to copy when you hit the them. turn you hit them with it yeah yeah and that is it's just too much to me it reminds me of like these 
value low drop blue creatures that never really do anything kind of like wharf infiltrator which mm-hmm. was an eldritch moon zombie creator that also like drew cards and people were like oh yeah ooh, look at this it does so much for so little mana but it never did anything because it's not very good and this card yeah, or the me, the stowaway werewolf like, yeah or the stowaway Werewolf, I, which i love that card but only yeah. for a cube <laughs> yeah I've first uh, picked that in a lot of cube drafts and been very happy with it, but never really played it and constructed it at all. It also has great flavor, like a, a werewolf that's a pirate. Come on. I do think this is much more powerful than that card in formats where you get to like play cantrips and some other spells. The problem with those formats is that they're very high powered, and I don't think oh, this yeah, card is... Oh yeah, I get it. Like, I, I get the Dreadhorde Archives comparison, because that is the kind of card where it's obviously it's Banded Legacy. Like... You play Dreadhorde Arcanist, you can get to copy a card the turn after. This one, you have to set it up, and there's specific things that go in. You have to cast another spell on top of it. You don't get to look in your graveyard for Mercurial Spell Dancer. You just have to have another one. You have to have three right. spells before you get into Right, you have to cast three spells with this thing in play for it to do anything. Yeah. And then every other one. Every, every time after that, it's two spells. But, ugh. Yeah. If you do get there on it, though, I think it... You know, once you start going on it, it is like pretty unreal, probably. But I don't know how likely that is to happen. I mean, if you're going off with it and just copying cantrips, which is the best way to trigger it, like you're going to have a bunch in your deck if you're trying to trigger this thing a lot. It's very similar to Pyromancer Ascension, except for you can only do it once per turn. And (laughs) Pyromancer Ascension is just not that good anymore either. That's true. Pyromancer's engine also is like graveyard dependent and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, like it has different conditions to hop through that are its own thing. But right. if the end goal is to copy a bunch of spells, that is another two mana card that does it. Yeah, I mean, the place that I want to try this first is in Pioneer Phoenix to get another couple of two drops in the main deck because there is a fair number of matchups where just like playing a two drop that's effective is really, really good. And this is one that could be better than some of the other cards in the deck like if you play this against green then it becomes much much easier to double time walk them at some like before they do anything good that could be something that changes some matchups around could be good against control decks too it's not a card they want to remove and it insulates you against counter magic but pioneer would be the place Mm -hmm. because i don't know how to evaluate standard to be honest well i mean right and like the the way that the blue decks are built are kind of like ideal for it. it's like you have cantrips to trigger it and then you have delve spells to copy with it that are like wildly more powerful than the spells you use to put the counters on it yeah that's, <laughs> the delve spells are still in still in pioneer yeah <laughs> yeah i just think it's a, a cool card that i am going to have fun trying and mm-hmm. I don't know how good it's going to be because it is vulnerable. There's a lot of ways to stop it. And it does require three spells before it does anything, which is kind of a lot. But it's neat. Okay, I w- it's my turn. I want to talk about bad card now then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about Gleeful Demolition. Okay. Which is a red mana sorcery, just one mana. Destroy target artifact. If you controlled that artifact, create three 1-1 one, one red Phyrexian goblin and creature tokens. It's like way better Koldotha Rebirth. Yeah, this is a throwback to Koldotha Rebirth. I, 
The coolest part to me about this card is that it's an uncommon because another Kundalta Rebirth and Popper would be too strong. <laughs> it would. It would be really good. This one is not just Kundalta Rebirth. Like, Kundalta Rebirth was sack an artifact to make three goblins. This one is destroy an artifact. So you can pick your opponent's artifacts. Well. And it's just a smelt. You don't get the goblins. Yes. Yeah, you don't get the goblins. Yeah, but, but it has extra smell. utility. Is what I right. What I'm trying. And to like red mana sorcery destroy target artifact. When you want to destroy artifacts, that's just fine. Like that, yeah. that was it's, one mana. This is it's definitely in your deck for the combo potential. But the fact that it can do a, a different thing is really cool. Yeah, and I don't think this makes waves or anything. Like it's just total three birth plus, and yeah. we know that card is got super niche. But I like I mean, this card. I think it's cool. Yeah, I, I definitely played some Kuldotha Rebirth Goblin Bushwhacker in my day. It's not likely that that's a thing that's like really the focus of any particular format. You do get to play with eight Kuldotha Rebirths in like modern if you wanted to do that. I don't. I don't think. You I don't do. know if you ever do. But man, can you you play a uh, your opponent plays Ragavan and you make three goblins? Got that battlefield locked up. Yeah, tough to make it through. You want to do a controversial one? Okay, what's controversial? I'm ready. Minor misstep. One blue for an instant counter target Ooh. spell with mana value one or less. Yeah, there's a lot of discourse on this that they have yeah. spoiled. I even made a tweet about it. There's a lot of people that are very sure it's going to be good, and there's a lot of people who are very sure it's going to be unplayable. Yeah. Where do you fall? Where's your, where's your answer on the spectrum? I think it's a card that will show up as like a one or two of in sideboards and maybe you can slip a copy into a main deck in modern and it's just not really that relevant in other places. Yeah, I I, I don't think you can slip a main deck copy in any, anywhere. <laughs> that seems a little too much to me, but... The, the problem is that you can be on the draw, right? And your opponent goes Raghavan and then you go, oh, I never get to leave up mana for this minor misstep in this entire game. Right. I think one of the most poignant arguments against this card is that if you're treating it as a counter spell, such as mental misstep, the only time counter spells are good is when they're trading up on mana. And this card cannot do that. Except against Cascade. Except against Cascade, which is why I think that is it can be a sideboard card in that like it's a sideboard card for those kind of scenarios. It's not a card you play for value to kill one drops. Like, it's very good when you stop your Cascade card, and it's in your sideboard when you're playing against Burns. So you're like, okay, well, these are healing salves. That's good enough for me. It's just, like, questionable to me whether that's actually better than just having Fluster Storms in your sideboard, I guess. I So, that is reasonable, but I think it matters that there's a card that exists now that you can have a choice. Like, maybe yeah. it's not better than Fluster Storm, but maybe you can pick it on a certain weekend because you have some reasons for it, and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, to me, like... What it's trying to do is be like, I counter cascade spells and you can justify to yourself like putting a copy or two in your main deck because everybody has one mana spells. But boy, you do get tripped up when you're just like on the draw and then they play their one mana spell and uh, like yeah. I maybe never... you can catch a bolt with it later. But is that even going to matter? Like I never want this card in my main deck. I just don't. Yeah. I, I don't know what blue decks that we're playing. that This is a, a main deck decision over spell pierce. And I get that they're not the same card, but Spell Pierce is in main decks for a reason because it's very flexible and very mana efficient. Right. Sometimes you Spell Pierce a Teferi and you feel really good about it. And yeah, on top you can't of the world. do that with this card. Yeah. <laughs> any, any Teferi. I was thinking Time Raveler, but I guess sometimes you. 
literally any Teferi. You hero of Dominaria, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Kimba. Kimba Cop Enduring is a. I assume this card mentions mm-hmm. equipment on it. Oh, of course, is... it's a cat from a yeah. set. <laughs> Uh, it's one and a white for a 2-2. Legendary Cat Cleric, for some reason. Uh, whenever Kemba caught Enduring or another cat enters the battlefield under your control, attach up to one target equipment you control to that creature. Equipped creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and five mana create a 2-2 white cat creature token. So that five mana, though, is like maybe more relevant than you would think because that does mean that it like halves the cost of equipping a Colossus Hammer. Yeah, that, that is true. So that's the only place I see this card, and I like it. Uh, I don't for Pioneer, obviously not really for for modern. No, not for modern, but uh, but it, having another Pioneer option to equip a Colossus Hammer for free, granted on one specific creature, you, you can only do it on Kemba, or I guess if you find a cat, you can do a Scryfall search for cats that are legal in Pioneer and see if you want to put any in your hammer deck. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Slash Panther is a cat with haste. I'm just saying it's not legal in Pioneer, but. Yeah, that is not legal. You mean the Jace Killer? <laughs> yeah, the Jace Killer from 2012 or whatever. <laughs> uh, I, I just like an option in Pioneer that auto equips a hammer. I don't think it'll be good enough, but I want to see decks start playing, like doing hammer stuff in Pioneer. I think there's a lot of stuff in the set that sort of trends towards that. Even if you're not doing the funky little turn one combo with some of the unplayable cards in the set that can enable a turn you know two kill or whatever if you have exactly the specific four card combo you need yeah i mean isn't there like another hammer equipper or something like that because i know people were talking about like cacophony scamp which is this red mana one yeah that's one of the cards i was referencing i don't i think that card's not very good it's a one one that you can sack it when it hits to proliferate and then it when it dies it deals its damage equal to its power to any target yeah, so if it's got a hammer on it, it just deals 20. There's something that like puts equipment onto warriors, I think, because this thing is a warrior. Uh, Resolute Strike. It is from Zendikar set. If it's a warrior, yeah, target creature gets plus 2, plus 2 until end of turn. If it's a warrior, you may attach an equipment you control to it. This is a lot of unplayable cards to put into a, a Magic the Gathering deck. I, I don't mind Resolute Strike as much because there's not a lot of ways to equip cards in Pioneer. The problem is that it's warrior-gated. Which is, right. I, I'd have to look at the creature types in, that you'd want to put in a hammer deck. But it is neat if you can build your deck that way. And, that and the you thing is, can these, are your, the hammer on board. these are your secondary options because Sigarda's Aid is legal in Pioneer. Yeah, it's, it is. It's great. Now, I, I think you might just have enough. Like, certainly between Sigarda's Aid and Kemba, now it's just like, okay, there's a decent number of draws where I can equip my Colossus Hammer. The problem is like Kemba does only equip the hammer to itself and can't attack that turn unless you give it haste as well somehow. So that's uh, that's not that's not what we want to be doing with our hammer equipped turn is not attacking with the hammer. So Resolute Strike maybe is like a little bit more what you actually want to be doing. There are no cats with haste that are legal in Pioneer. I just did a quick little search. Ah, Slash Panther, where are you? I, where where are you when we need you? For our turn five kill. In our turn four tower. Not even a turn four kill, it's just fifteen damage, right? Four plus ten plus the one from Kemba. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, equip creatures you control get plus one plus one, making Colossus Hammer a clean plus eleven plus eleven. 
yeah, I, I we'll see. I, it's just like there's a neat deck building card. I don't really expect it to go anywhere, but it is cool. Yeah. I like her. I'll do a quick one in Shieldred's Edict. I just think this card's funny. One in a black instant. Choose one. Each opponent sacrifices a non-token creature. Each opponent sacrifices a creature token. Or each opponent sacrifices a planeswalker. Just a really, really nice way to guarantee your opponent's merit lage cannot be protected from your I, removal spell. I really enjoy it. I think I saw Mapson tweet just like despair in response to seeing this because <laughs> he loves playing merit lay just like are you kidding me wizards <laughs> no number of sylvan safekeepers in play can protect you from shieldred's edict which is a strictly better like this is the the most flexible edict if you want an instant speed edict this is the one now that you put into your deck it's you know not all that often that that's what you unless want, you but... really want to kill enchantments but i mean this this does <laughs> have like it does kill planeswalkers and it is a really clean option for taking out a planeswalker two mana instant they sacrifice a planeswalker they don't often have more than one planeswalker in play like it's probably a playable card in lower power formats too because of that so i think this card also plays really well with liliana of the veil just in general Mm, sure like you can clean up your board because Liliana reduces their creature count and it, it hits the weak spot of Liliana, which is your opponent has a planeswalker. <laughs> right, which she d- never beats any like real planeswalker yeah. with card advantage abilities. Yeah. That that's true. Liliana struggling mostly just because people like specifically built with Liliana in mind and then realized that the cards they were putting in your in their deck with Liliana in mind turned out to be the best cards the in best the format. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> Like, we kind of weren't playing a lot of wedding announcements, and then we started playing more because Liliana existed, and then we were just like, oh. Oh, wait, this card's kind of I great. just always want to draw this wedding announcement. Interesting. How about that? And then it's like a four of and a bunch of Pioneer sideboards now, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, two mana Edict that can also kill a Planeswalker, I think is fle- flexible enough that it's, like, worth looking at for your two mana removal slot in a lot of black decks. Uh, I'm trying to decide if I want to go for a goofy one next or a kind of real <laughs> one. I think I'll go for a kind of real one. Uh, Tyrannax Rex. Sure. So this is seven mana for an 8 8. It's four GGG for an 8 8 Phyrexian Dinosaur. The spell can't be countered. It has Trample, Haste, and Ward four, as well as Toxic four. So if it gets hit, if it hits a player, you get four poison counters. That player gets four poison counters. Uh, I just like the the slow progression of Tyranaxes on Phyrexia. <laughs> like we started with Tyranax, which is a six mana five four. We got yeah. Alpha Tyranax, which is a six mana six five. Six five, yeah. And then Tyranax Rex is just a huge eight eight. Which is mana. yes, a big Carnage Tyrant kind of dude. It's it's a weird that if they had completed the like give it plus one plus one every few years, it would have been a seven a six mana seven six, which is the exact stats of Carnage Tyrant, which is the exact card everyone's comparing us to. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty similar. It costs one more mana, but it gets haste. And, um weirdly enough, like Ward 4 does make it very hard to kill, but also like in a lot of the games where you want a Carnage Tyrant... You want it to be completely immune. You need it to be impervious, and Ward 4 is not the same as being impervious. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people overlook. Like, this isn't a card you play in Legacy, where, like, Kappa Cannoneer's Ward 4 is, like, literally you can never kill it because right. of the mana it's like you're, you're playing this solo. on turn 10 against your control opponent and being like, please solo this game for me against my opponent's hand of counterspells and removal. 
And it's like, well, they have a Doom Blade in six mana, so you just you lost on that mana exchange i'm sorry your throat is gone now yeah uh that, so that i is, don't know if this card does the thing i think this is a gaia's revenge more than a carnage tyrant gaia's revenge mm-hmm. is a really old card Not, is it gaia's revenge is that the right one i'm thinking of the seven mana seven five with like yeah. haste and yeah. can be countered it, it's just like kind of a hate card against uh blue decks and tyranax wrecked is kind of the same thing to me because it's not carnage tyrant. you can't just like play it on turn six and then just kill your opponent with it and they can't do anything if they're not mm-hmm. tussling with it uh this card yeah. just doesn't work like that even though it has haste which is a huge ability like haste is huge of course but it's also like seven mana which is it's so many mana. mana it's a lot of mana one interaction that i really like slash don't like with this is with void rend which is the nukapenna esper mana for an instant destroy target non-land permanent the spell can't be countered which stops ward from working so you just get to kill a card like this for three mana <laughs> i mean it is esper mana though so it is esper mana it doesn't see a ton of play but like if people start playing tier next rexes to beat up on the control decks and then the control decks are just like okay i'll play these void ends then like that's a thing that they can do and so i don't think that this card you know it could be good for a weekend maybe but even then like Ward 4 is not hexproof, especially on a 7-mana creature that you're trying to get to solo your opponent. Right. Like, I I think it has its place as a hate card, but it does have a severe not having hexproof weakness. Right. In that standard format, I did, I won a bunch of games by, like, playing creatures into removal and counter spells, getting us both low on resources, and then just slamming a Carnage Tyrant, and there was just nothing that they could do about it. And I don't know, like, that was obviously also a lower-powered time. So, Yeah, that was, like, right at the beginning of his rotation. Vivian Reed was one of the most powerful cards in the format. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, maybe a place, but probably only, like, for a weekend at a time, even if it does. Let's see, what do I want to talk about? How about Black Sun's Twilight? X and a black for an instant. Up to one target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn. If X is five or more, return a creature card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. This is the kind of card that in the mid-rangey mirrors, having it in one or two of your removal spell slots like gives you just a massive, massive advantage. Because yeah. instead of drawing a go for the throat, you draw a I will kill your shieldred and bring back my shieldred. At instant speed, too. Yeah. Usually that kind of stuff is sorcery speed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's a very good one of. Uh, yeah. Maybe kind of a fine two of. But anything more than that, you're just not using that card right. correctly. Because when you're using it in it's less than X is less than five mode, like you're always trading up on mana. And you can only afford to do that like once in a game. Yeah, which is like if you're valuing it as a six mana removal spell plus reanimate, like you cannot put that many of those into your deck. No. And that's one, you know, that's what you want to be casting it for, obviously. But especially given the existence of Shieldred in every deck that is casting this, and Shieldred probably as a four of, and the fact that this yeah. just like represents like once once I hit six mana, this removal spell is also a Shieldred is a lot. No, it's I, that's kind of why I put it on the sheet. I, though it does disappoint me that the cycle of sun cards don't shuffle back into your library like all the other ones. <laughs> Ten other ones from the Mirrodin sets. That's true. You've really lost something here. I wonder why they don't. Maybe just because it's a 
it's because they hate shuffling now that's yeah i think that's honestly the reason like yeah i'm sure someone brought it up hey do we want to make these sun cards shuffle themselves back like all the other ones and someone was like i mean we literally made an explosive vegetation in this set that doesn't search your library so you can whiff on it so we're not going to shuffle <laughs> we're just not going to do that and i mean it was always like four flavor reasons but some of the designs were not successful like a like blaze that shuffles into your library is just like a stupid rare Hey, that that thing exiles whenever you hit with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Disintegrate that shuffles into your library is a stupid rare. I mean, the weirdest one. First of all, that killed me a lot of times in limited. Just saying. Yeah, yes, because at that time, <laughs> a, 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 a blaze was a fine card. It's beacon of uh, whatever the reanimation one. That's the weirdest one to me. It's like five yeah. mana, put an artifact or a creature from a graveyard onto the battlefield, shuffle it. It's like okay, that that's weird. Okay. At least with well, Greens and Zenith, you're like already in your library, so you just shuffle it. Right, you had to shuffle anyways, so that's fine. <laughs> Though, isn't that the one uh, card that tells you to shuffle twice? Yeah, but you don't have to. What if you want to play with it the <laughs> the correct way? I, I the rules allow you to only shuffle once. <laughs> yeah, I know. At least the 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 floor rules allow you to just d- do it. <laughs> I've played with Mind's Desire and Urza. Yeah, very important with Mind's Desire, especially. <laughs> Yeah, incredibly important. Though do sometimes you do forget that that's a thing, and you like think about wanting to brainstorm in between. You're like, nah, wait, I can't do that. That's <laughs> yeah, just not. That's too, way too much hassle. Uh, I want to talk about Glissa Sunslayer. One B G three three, legendary Phyrexian zombie elf, with the classic Glissa abilities of First Strike and Death Touch. Yeah, on a much more efficient. Yeah. like mana to stat ratio this time though whenever glissa sunslayer deals combat damage to the player choose one you can draw a card and lose one life destroy target enchantment or remove up to three counters from target permanent i think if there exists a golgari colored deck that's interested in mid-range creature like this this is one of the best ones first strike death nice. touch yeah. is unassailable in combat it is so annoying it's kind of like the opposite of a graveyard trespasser i guess where like graveyard trespasser is like great against removal spells but like if there's bodies in play it just doesn't really do that much and this is like no creature can stop me but if you do have go for the throat that's kind of awkward yeah it 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 does do that but it's nice you get a lot more on hit triggers with glissa than you would with any other card like do you want to block a first strike death touch creature i mean i guess you can chump block it but no, I mean, you have to have the of... removal spell for this thing. And yeah. if you don't and you untap with it, like either you are throwing chump blockers in front of it or they're just drawing cards every time it attacks. And you can't really sustain that many 3-3 three, three hits that draws your opponent a card. <laughs> no. But she is in a weird color combination, for sure. Like there's not always a playable Golgari deck. Yeah. But the Golgari decks do tend to have like a fair number of creatures that your opponent like kind of really needs to kill if those decks are good you know if you have mana guys or whatever it's just like i gotta i mean i assume you're gonna play shielders alongside glissa like you kind of right. have to right right exactly and you know if you play glissa and it's just like i have to kill that and then they don't have a removal spell for your shielder because they had to kill it then she did her job yeah this is one of the more efficient combat oriented creatures we've seen in a bit like a you just can't beat this thing in combat. No, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, definitely niche just because of the color combination. 
if you draw a card and you lose one life with Shieldred in play, you don't you, you gain a life. Yeah, you can though. But I mean, if you have Glissa and Shieldred in play, you're doing <laughs> and you're hitting them with yourself. Like I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but the game's not going to take too much longer. <laughs> well, but that's like, I, I mean, you're on the play. You play Glissa, they go to their turn, and they're like, well, I don't really have a removal spell that can take out this Glissa right now. I guess I'll just put a thing into play. And then you go to turn four, and you play Shieldred, and then you attack with Glissa. And they're like, oh, my God. Guess I'm going to chump with my Goblin Shaman token. <laughs> like, you know, that's kind of a gross snowball-y set of plays. Yeah, it, it is. I, I kind of want to talk about Viral Spawning, not because it's a real card or anything, but I just <laughs> want to talk about it for a second. Let's do it. So... This is a 2G sorcery. Make a 3-3 green beast creature token with toxic one. And as long as your opponent has three or more poison counters and viral spawning within your graveyard, it has flashback 2G. So you can play it again for your graveyard. But is flashback is the, a mechanic in this set? It is not a mechanic in this That's set. That's so this crazy. This is the only card with flashback in the entire set. Wow. That, that's that's all, the only reason I want to talk about it. There's, See, it's I so actually wild, enjoy I, this. I would have... I mean, I love that they put flashback on it because it's like, yeah, that's what it does. But I would have thought they would have put like, uh, you know, as long as an opponent has three or more poison counters, you may cast this from your graveyard if you do exile it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like the flashback text that's spelled out. Yeah. This is so much better. Everyone knows yeah. what flashback does. It's like <laughs> Mill was the nomenclature for like 20 years. And they're like, and yeah, finally... we tried a bunch of different names for the, the Mill keyword action. But in the end, we decided to go with just straight up mill because that's what everyone's going to call it anyway. That one I love so much because it doesn't really like make that much sense if you were like a new player. But the fact that it came from one single card, Millstone, which is just like eternally associated with it and mill as a concept like that shorthand is used like across card games like whatever yeah, that's card game the, you're playing that's the best part to me that mill always means that in card games because of magic like people are like why do they call it mill and someone will reply to them and be like well so in magic the gathering <laughs> there's one card that you know puts cards from the top of your deck into your graveyard which is kind of like overdrawing your hand in hearthstone so <laughs> so when you draw a card and you don't have room for it you have milled a card yeah not really an associated mechanic but yeah so i, I don't need to talk about viral spawning this card i think it's just like kind of whatever but it is yeah very cool that they're willing to do you know this card has a one-of mechanic because everyone's gonna reference it like that has that mechanic and like playing it wrong because if you don't do the actual keyword it'll like function slightly differently from how flashback does but we all know how flashback works so we would probably play it that way yeah, like if you like if you remand uh, a flashback right. spell versus a card with pseudo flashback yeah we've all had that spell queller moment which is why all this stuff like Mizix's mastery does the like exile and then copy thing so that it's very clear what happens yeah I want to talk about Nissa Ascended Animist. Okay, good. Because I think this is the main card that people have been talking about as though for life is not a cost. It's a trivial matter. <laughs> yeah. So this is three and two green and two Phyrexian green mana. So anywhere between five and seven mana, you can pay for this completed Planeswalker. Seven loyalty or five loyalty or three loyalty, depending on how much mana you pay. Plus one, create an XX 
green Phyrexian horror creature token where X is Nissa Ascended Animus Loyalty. Minus one, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Minus seven, until end of turn, creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each forest you control and gain trample. So I think there is stuff to like about this card. I think it, like, especially if you're not paying the Phyrexian cost, it, like, is a gigantic threat very fast. You know, if you're getting into late in the game and you draw this, which would have been your five mana Planeswalker, and then you're just like, oh, I can cast this for seven, and I can make, like, a 7-7, seven, seven, or I can just, like, threaten to do this Great gigantic overrun. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, that's that's all pretty cool. If you are a mid-range deck that's mostly treating this as a 5-mana Planeswalker, I don't think it's very good. I'm just thinking of all the games where I was behind and had uh, Nissa Who Shakes the World, and you just, like, cast it, and you plus one, and you hope that that 3-3, three, three, like keeps you alive or like lets you untap with the nissa because as long as you untap with the nissa then you win the game but this nissa untapping with it as a five mana thing doesn't win you the game and it also costs you four life to play so if you were behind you might just like die so i think that's something you really need to consider when you're thinking about your play patterns with this card where it fits into your curve when you're casting it i think there are decks that this is probably good in but i don't think this is like a you know, there was a period of time in Standard where Ren and Seven was just like, I'm casting this on turn five and it's going to be great all the time. And I'm not like that for life is enough of a cost that I don't I'm not confident that's true with this Nissa. Yeah, I I get the idea that the creatures made by Nissa are supposed to like offset the life cost like they can protect you and such. Mm -hmm. But I kind of have to see how it plays. I do want to offer some clarifications about how the card makes creatures because i've seen weird confusion regarding this sure so i'm just gonna do the easiest example like if it's a five mana card it starts at three loyalty right so you plus one it it makes a four four because it's whatever and the four fours stats do not change right it's, it's not whatever, a star star it's an yeah, xx it's, it's whatever and it uh misses of loyalty is when the ability resolves which mm -hmm. also means that if you plus one it to four then your opponent lightning bolts it in response. You only you make get a one, one. one. Yeah. yeah. Or Just something you, to keep in mind. Yeah. Although I guess if, if you plus one it and your opponent edicts you, then it just uses last known information and you do get a four, four. Yeah. They'd have to actually reduce Mrs. Loyalty without killing her. <laughs> yes. Or, or reduce it to zero. If you had a thing that just like remove four loyalty counters, then last known information would be zero counters. I don't think yeah. there's cards... I mean, I guess a burn spell. If you do a four damage burn spell to her, then most of you those get are going to be sorcery speed, though. <laughs> yes, demon bolt is not standard legal, but you that's know, true. Yeah. That type of card, but yeah, like as long as you're a deck that is likely to use the variable cost, and like you do hit these mana amounts a fair amount and you get that flexibility out of the card then i'm more in favor of it if you're putting this card in your deck and you're like this is trying to be my five mana card i'm skeptical if you have a bunch of mana in your deck and you are able to play this at different costs depending on where you are in the game and especially if you have enough creatures that like sometimes you hit seven mana and cast this and just do a gigantic overrun and that's a real thing that your deck can do then i'm more into it so it does some powerful stuff, but it's not a great just like five mana thing, especially if you're on the draw. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely a risky card. Not not all sunshine. Let's do like a couple more and then wrap it up because I'm getting antsy. Yeah, that's totally fine. <laughs>
We can uh, do just like like two more or something. Yeah, I want to I want to do Sword of Forging Frontier. Sure. So this is a three mana equipment. It's an artifact, obviously. Equips for two, just like all the other swords in existence. <laughs> Equipped creature gets plus two plus two and has protection from red and from green. Whenever a crit creature deals combat damage to a player, exile the top two cards of your library. You can play those cards this turn. You may play an additional land this turn. So from a design perspective, I love this card. It's so elegant. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very a pretty cool. card. Like you, you hold it in your mind and you're just like, this is really nice. Yeah, this is good. Also, does this card have a bunch of different versions? Because it's got enough pedigree in its cycle that it right. should have a bunch of versions. I will I'll have to look that at that later. Yeah. I don't know how good this card is, though. Like, Swords of X and Y have really not aged very well. Uh, mm -hmm. Their cards, the, the, the text on them changes, but their numbers do not change. And the numbers have gotten progressively worse mm -hmm. all the time. Like, another card that costs three mana is Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Yeah, you know? it gives you the card advantage just right away. <laughs> right. This one you have to connect with the creature. The protection is kind of weird. It is green. Protection from green is a weirdly good protection color for getting on-hit abilities because the sword giving plus two plus two, we learned this from Feast and Famine, Body of Mind. Uh, the sword giving plus two plus two outsizes most creatures in an equivalent board and then only the green things outsize it but then you can't block with those because they're green <laughs> yeah so the that's protection nice. from red is kind of medium because the plus two plus two outsizes you from the burn spells right yeah usually only one of the protections is relevant on the sword anyway <laughs> right that's just kind of how it pans out yeah i i mean i think hitting them with the sword is quite good just like getting to flip two cards off of your library and you can play them uh you know it is it makes the the play pattern on like turn five where you like cast and equip like pretty bad because you're not going to get that much out of it i mean if you flip a land then you can play the land this turn but you're unlikely to be getting like two cards worth of value out of it so that removes like a certain play point of the card where you just like slam it, equip it, get in. So it's more of like a, I'm playing cheap creatures. I'll cast this for three at some point, And then I will equip it for two on a different turn and then get in and try to get as much value as I can that way. I don't know. Equipment is tough. That's very expensive. And if you ever play a sword and equip it and they kill the creature, you feel like utterly dismayed. The swords have only ever been good when Planeswalkers didn't exist the first mm -hmm. time they were printed. And then the second time around, you had so many replaceable creatures, uh, like creatures that just replaced themselves and didn't have a good body, like Stoneforge Mystic and Squadron Hawk. Squadron Hawk, yeah. That you just kind of got to equip a bunch of stuff for free, and if you killed them, it wasn't that big a deal because they always got value. That's right. not really the case anymore. Like there are creatures that provide a lot of value in standard when you play them, but they're three mana, four mana. They're not like they don't fit well into a curve that you would want to play a sword in. Yeah, I mean, got like spirited companion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't Is that know. tearing up standard nowadays? It sees a lot of play. It sees. Like, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad than card, think. but like, yeah. no, wait, hold up. I'm always gonna like highball the elf visionary cards especially with an additional card type like yeah. spirit companion is very good <laughs> and it's a dog everyone loves those yep 
Now, I think the sword is just a card in the set. Like, it's cool. I'm glad they're finishing the cycle. But honestly, they probably should have finished it like 20 years ago and it would have had more impact. Honestly, it should have ended with Sword of Fire and Ice. And so, yeah, I, I like those two opposing forces cards that were like callbacks. with Sword of War and Peace. Sure. You know? I mean, yeah, like that's the other natural place to stop it. But I really liked the weird like two dichotomy swords that are like kind of callbacks to like the alpha opposite cards. You know, you have like fire elemental and it's the classic dichotomies of magic where it's, you know, white versus black and then red versus blue and green's just hanging out. Green's just like, I'll do whatever. <laughs> yeah. I just want to be included. It doesn't really make sense to have me be the opposite of anybody. But anyways, that's a that's a rant for a different time. All right, what's the last one you want to hit for today? How about Atraxa Grand Unifier? Okay, we're going out on a banger. Yeah. So three, green, white, blue, black. You've lost me. Everything but red. Red's that's, the only, red's the one that's left out this time. That is four colors, CCR. It is four colors. So seven mana, seven seven, legendary creature, Phyrexian Angel. Flying Vigilance, Death Touch, Lifelink, which are, I believe, the abilities that Atraxa had in her Commander version. Uh, when Atraxa Grand Unifier enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library for each card type. You may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Artifact, Battle, Creature, Enchantment, Instant, Land, Planeswalker, and Sorcery are card types. So we're getting battles. I don't know what those are. We haven't seen them yet. No one knows what battles are. That's So here's my question for this card. Do you want to talk about the actual card or do you want to talk about the, the reminder text? I actually mostly want to talk about the actual card. The reminder text isn't until we know what battles are. I don't care, basically. The only thing I actually find remarkable about this reminder text is that tribal is not a card type. I don't think that is actually relevant because they only put the, the relevant type text in these types of reminders like there's a course at one that does that has the same that does not reference tribal cards. doesn't reference tribal and also okay. like doesn't reference like artifacts because there weren't artifacts in that course so, <laughs> you know i kind of hope tribal isn't a card type anymore because i in my opinion it should have always been a super type but whatever yeah but no i i want to talk about the actual card i want to complain slightly about how many words we used for a text box that could easily just have said like draw four cards on it and it would have been functionally like really similar. Well, no, but you get to draw like a bunch of specific. You don't. If you draw four cards, you only draw two lands. That's unacceptable for two Atraxa. She yeah, she, she needs requires to draw, like, much three more spells perfection. And land. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be an artifact, a creature, a sorcery, and a land. Uh, yeah, I mean, you do have to spread your types around slightly, but well, actually, you're you're playing commander, so you're probably not going to take the land because you don't put enough in your deck anyway. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> so this is obviously yes a commander plant but i think it's also pretty constructed relevant you can enigmatic incarnation it into play it is a seven so that can be potentially one of your sevens and it is a huge body with like infinite keywords that also draws you a bunch of cards it is not beatable on board your opponent does have to kill it immediately it's also a thing that like who knows if the, is this what you're supposed to cheat into play with like in like pioneer creativity maybe but it's also like very castable in your incarnation deck too like you can just do this pr pretty easily once you hit turn seven or so 
And I don't know. I think there's like a fair number of places where this is just like the biggest thing. If they do kill it, then you got a lot of value out of it. So that's a good card. Is this? It's the miniest gristle brand, basically. Yeah, that's, that's good enough. What I'm thinking that does sound better because like the the biggest thing before this card was the Titan of Industry, I think. Mm-hmm. And this card does outcost Titan of Industry in the. Maybe not in the castable department, but in the like I'm put this is getting put into play and it does more things. Like it draws a bunch of cards. It's mm-hmm. very threatening combat wise. I mean, if you put this into play in your incarnation deck, like you're just gonna win because you drew a bunch of gas. Putting into play with Leyland Binding Synergy. Or casting it. Like those are both like pretty possible. That's true. Those games do go long. You get a lot of lands. Yeah. And you have the nice little fixing too. Yeah, although in those decks you really only have like three card types so you're just gonna hit like land creature enchantment mostly but that's still fine that's still three cards like if they yeah. kill a traxa you can i don't know get a second one they do have to kill a traxa yes you cannot so leave a traxa in play <laughs> flying vigilance lifelink death touch is a lot on a seven seven yeah not sure what death touch is really doing but the other three abilities are great well she just had to have a black ability and that's the black ability you could have given her uh, all right is that yeah. the white's vigilance blue white is, is vigilance green is death touch green is death touch black is lifelink black is lifelink yeah so that's her green ability no she, she should have had reach then trample fly <laughs> reach yeah <laughs> fleech yeah that, as everyone refers to the flying reach cards could have had haste haste is a green ability green tertiary actually i think it's secondary now green is just swimming in haste creatures yeah, I don't think you can give this card haste. Well, obviously not. But like, if we're taking Death Touch off the card because it's useless, might as well put the best ability on it. Yeah, let's just swap those out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I think Gristle Brand, but a little smaller, is a card that we'll see play. Yeah. Okay, I, I can buy that. I actually have not heard about anyone talk about the actual text of the card thus far. Just like, just <gasps> what's battle. a battle? What's a battle? I don't know. Um, we'll find out eventually. We'll find out. It'll um, maybe you know maybe the card mirrored and besieged from Modern Horizons will be a battle. <laughs> maybe it's a like commander only thing or something. No, nah, they wouldn't put commander only cards in the standard set. So I do want to. I don't know if this is like this got me thinking that maybe we want to do our set review a different way or something like that and do awards or something because i do have an early contender for an award i just made up which is like card that i'm most disappointed is in the commander set and not like an actual evergreen award yeah Yeah. what is it well so chiscoria forge tyrant of course i need to look it up because i don't know any of the cards by name and i don't have i didn't look at look at the commander cards (laughs) yeah well so remember tooth of chiscoria and scale of chiscoria yeah the affinity for artifact cards artifacts of affinity for artifacts uh now we get to meet the man himself chiscoria forge tyrant six red 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 legendary creature dragon affinity for artifacts flying haste whenever chiscoria forge tyrant attacks exile the top five cards of your library you may cast an artifact spell from among them this turn if you do it has affinity for artifacts which i don't think works under the rules but you just go with it because it's fine it does actually does it (laughs) okay because you you determine your costs after you sure. declare you're casting it. Okay. So as long as it has the ability, when you're I guess that's it, you're true. Good to go. It feels like it shouldn't work, but that's fine. 
I mean, Infinity often feels like that. <laughs> That's fair. But this card is so cool. And I, you know, just going to forget about it. It's just going to like fade into the, into the mists. So does Chiscoria lose scales and teeth or, and they grow back or like, is he, you know, at least down I assume a tooth? so. Like in, in Breath of the Wild, you like shoot arrows at the dragon to like knock scales off of it into the lake and then you go find them. That's true. But I don't think those scales grow back. I think they how do, do scales work in how do scales work in the wild? I need a fish so, expert. <laughs> so in Lord of the Rings, Smog had a scale knocked off, and that was his weak point, and it like didn't grow back. So right. it probably just depends on which universe you're in. I mean, this is Phyrexia, and this guy's been around since Mirrodin times, so he's probably at least sixty percent metal. So I think it would be hard for those to grow back. Right, but maybe they get like smithed back onto him or whatever. Because okay, the yeah. scales that came off were artifacts, so yeah, of course. He's a forge tyrant. It's pretty easy to get replacement parts right. of forge. If you're the king of the forge, then you can probably get your scales rebuilt at the forge. No, I, th- I think this card's super cool. I, I it's a shame think he's it's neat. part of the commander set, but that's a lot of the a lot of cool cards. I wish were not part of the commander set. Yeah. And I mean, like, I know that there are cards that are just too pushed and they want them, they want to be able to design for Commander, and which I think has been, like, ultimately very bad for Commander overall. But it's been bad. I think it's been bad for both Commander and non Commander. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> but, you know, like, a lot of the fun of Commander, it, you know, in the early days was just, like, seeking out cards that do the things that you want to do that never got a shot and then they're all outmoded by the commander versions of those cards and that's very sad and i think oh well here's a uh, here's a card from the commander set i really wish was part of standard uh glimmer lens it's two mana equipment with four mirrored in so it makes a two two that it's equipped to it when it enters battlefield mm-hmm. and then whenever that the equipped creature and at least one other creature attacks draw a card so it's a white grizzly bear that draws cards and you can oh, move yeah, it around. That's really cool. Lots of cool stuff that just not locked under the commander. I and I feel like they keep giving us these like equipment archetype things that Without are just never good ever ever good enough. And they need to push equipment like to that level in order to get it there. It just needs to be not equipment equipment it needs to be like the four mirrored and stuff where you're getting something alongside right it needs to be super cheap which is has some room for abuse can be a little dangerous but like i think there's a really cheap equipment in this set that i'm like i read its numbers first i'm like oh yeah finally a card that equips for one and costs one but the abilities it gave was like plus o plus two and toxic one i'm like okay yeah yeah, well i guess it's cheap and that's about all we've got going for it (laughs) right oh did you see the mirror lord the commander one yeah yeah it's, it's i need more lore for this mirror because it's mm-hmm. a remnant of memnark which is not a mirror <laughs> so what would happen there I, I don't know yeah we got to get this guy's story i need the i need the urtet vignette <laughs> all right well that's probably enough for our first preview show we'll get to some of the more niche cards in the next one I think we left some good ones too, because there's some like the Jace we didn't even touch this time. Yeah. And some of them are worth talking about. Yeah, there's definitely some stuff that it is clearly worth talking about. But hopefully we'll have time to get to some of the more like 
bit players of the set. Oh, I've got some cards that I wanted to talk about that I put in this document that are truly bit players. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll they'll be the stars next week. Yeah, okay, perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks to everybody so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. That's it for us. Have a great week. Bye.